Hey, we're going to jump into this new series, The Weary World Rejoices. The Weary World Rejoices. And today, <clears throat> the topic is about having a forgiving spirit. And so we'll get into that in a moment. But Christmas is both a great, and if you really step back and look at it from an objective view, it's kind of a funny time of year. Why would I say that? Well, first of all, we set up trees in our house, okay? Trees are planted in the ground, in the dirt outside. But for some reason, we set them up indoors. We decorate like crazy. You know, we spend hours and hours and hours and money putting stuff all over our house that's just gonna come down a month later. Has anybody ever thought this is just a little nuts, right? We, we make special food, which is my favorite part. Uh, man, if there was one reason for Christmas to me, uh, you know, second to Jesus, it's the food. Come on, somebody. We hang mistletoe. How many of you do that? I've, I've never done that, but people do. Kind of strange. We, we hide the elf on the shelf, right? Until you as a parent, you forget to hide them the next day and your parents are like, what happened? And you're like, I don't know. The elf must have just fallen asleep there for days on end. Sorry, kids, right? We roast chestnuts. Now, now hold up. Does anybody ever really do that? I've never roasted a chestnut, uh, but apparently that's something we do. We buy and re we receive, we give and receive gifts. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like, right? If you don't believe me, uh, check out this gift that I found online. It is the pizza blanket. Can you imagine? Right? We could get anything. Crazy gifts. Uh, we all are probably going to get something this Christmas that, that uh, we don't want or need. Okay, that's enough of that. That's kind of disturbing. You know, it might be 2035 before we pay it all off, but hey, it's Christmas. We sing songs about reindeer and snowmen and elves, and, and we don't think anything of it, right? It's kind of strange. It's all fun, but it's interesting to me that the cheer, the most of the cheer only lasts as long as the decorations are out or until Cousin Eddie says something crazy or political at Christmas dinner, Right? And so we create as perfect of an, of an environment as we can, but it's never quite enough. Have you know, ever noticed that? We need more. We need more. We grow weary trying to fix everything ourselves, trying to create this, this environment that is, is so temporary, and, and we get tired, and we push ourselves, and we go, go, go. And we're just tired, I think. Why are we weary? Because we're trying to dig our way out of our feelings. We're trying to dig our way out ourselves. Side note, bonus tip. I've found that the more I tell myself and others that I'm so tired, the, the more tired I feel. <laughs> Anybody ever been there, right? But regardless of what made us weary, right? We're weary. We are as a society. And I, I feel like, man, we're in a season where we're just kind of been uh, shell-shocked by the last few years and we're just tired, right? We're weary of strained or broken relationships. We're weary of unmet expectations. We're weary of feeling abandoned or unseen. And so many people go through the Christmas season and, and that's how they feel. Even though sometimes they're surrounded by family and friends, they feel abandoned and unseen. And that might be, might be you. We're weary of things just being hard, you ever feel like that? You know, there's been this new uh, saying 
I think created by, by our millennial generation called adulting, right? And it's just when, that, when life slaps you in the face and you realize, man, life is just really hard. It's hard. We're weary of our lives lacking purpose, real purpose, satisfying purpose, significance. We're weary of the grind, just going from high to low and then high again, and, and we wish that we could just find just a happy middle ground, right? We're weary. And the outward decorations don't give a lasting reprieve from the inward turmoil. Now you might say, Joe, man, this is kind of a bummer way to start Christmas, right? But hey, if we don't dig into this, and if we don't find the answer to why the weary world rejoices, then it will be just another Christmas. And we'll find ourselves just as much or more weary after than we did before. You know, this, this topic reminds me of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 that predicted Jesus' birth. And yes, just in case you didn't get that, Jesus' birth was predicted. Now, this should blow your mind. It was predicted, and everything said about Jesus' death, hundreds of years before it actually happened, came true. Conservatively, they say that over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament were made about the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And every single one of them came true. Not a prophecy made about him was made that didn't come true. In Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, we see a picture of a weary world. Let's read together. It says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Man, you could underline that and just take that home with you today. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. <clears throat> the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will, re will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery. You see, at this time, you know, they were in slavery. They were in exile. And then the Jews... At the time of Jesus' birth, they were oppressed by the Romans. And so the Jews knew very well what it meant to be in slavery. From their slavery time in Egypt, to their time in exile in Babylon, to their time back home, but still oppressed by the Romans, right? So they were oppressed by Rome. Many were slaves. But for you and me, you and I, we're, we're slaves of, of a different kind. We are either slaves to sin, slaves to, to our own carnal desires, and, and, and the Bible calls it the lust of the flesh, the pride of our eyes. We're either slaves to that, or we choose to be slaves to Christ. And so it says that he'll break, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood stained by war will all be burned. 
You know, this all made sense to them because they had been in war. They had been in, in these tough times. You know, for you and me, you know, we used to have to fight for our own righteousness before Jesus came as humans. We, we would have to do, make sacrifices and, and go through a priest and, and do all this stuff. But Jesus was coming to fight that battle once and for all so that we would never have to fight it again. So that we wouldn't have to fight for our own righteousness, but that we could stand on his. It says they will be fuel for the fire. And then here's the good part. Maybe the part that you've heard before. For, un, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And guess what? It happened. It happened. It really happened. Jesus really came. He really lived a sinless life. He really died on a cross with his hands and his feet nailed to it. He really went into a grave for three days. And on that third day, he rose again. It really happened. And he did it for you and for me. What a promise. You think about this passage, darkness and despair, gone. A light is gonna shine in your life. Heavy burdens, gone. The Prince of Peace stepping into our life and doing what only he can do. Listen, you don't need me to tell you that there are some things that a pizza blanket can't make better. Come on, somebody, right? There's some things that, that a gift, that a tree, that some special food just won't fix. There are a few things that are so hard on your soul. There, there are some darknesses and despair and burdens that we carry around that are so hard on our soul that they make it virtually impossible to rejoice. And so when you see a line like in that song that says the weary world rejoices, you're like, yeah, right, tried that. But we see here in this passage that there are burdens that Jesus came to remove. There are burdens that Jesus came to take away. And yet, we carry those burdens willingly because we haven't applied God's grace to our lives yet. And so we're gonna talk about one of those today. And hopefully through this series, as we talk about these different you know, burdens that Jesus came to lift, we can find ourselves resting in the very things that he came to do for us this Christmas. And so today, we're gonna to talk about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, another way just that we could say that is being perpetually offended. Have you ever met somebody like that that is just always offended about something? Always bitter about something? Always offended about something someone said or somebody did? They're just bitter. And even if you're not perpetually offended, there might be one thing in your life, something that a parent said to you or something that a, that a, a friend said to you or a betrayal that happened or, or something that happened at some point that you just still carry with you. And it's heavy on your heart. It's a burden. I believe that unforgiveness is an unwelcomed 
but ever-attending guest at our Christmas tables, even our own, in our own families. And so, let me just give you a quick working definition of unforgiveness today. Unforgiveness is letting a past offense shape, direct, influence your future. And so with that definition, think about your life today. Is there anything in your past that is still having a profound influence, a profound voice of direction? It's still a burden on your life. And so the question is, how do we chart a new course? How do we, how do we take off this burden that Jesus obviously came to lift? How do we go from being weary due to unforgiveness to rejoicing because of Jesus' influence in our life. And that's what I want. And man, I'm excited about our, our, our worship times this, this month. Man, we have some great songs that are gonna illustrate this. Man, um, I, I literally didn't even think about um, before this morning how the songs that we sing today, it's like, it's, it's, it's singing the passage of scripture that we just read today. It's amazing how God works. But how do we go from being weary due to unforgiveness to rejoicing because of Jesus' influence in our life? So let's talk about it. Number one, you can fill it out in your notes, on your seats, or you could open up the Mosaic Church app and do the digital way of doing the notes there. Step one, hope. Begin to hope. Begin to hope. In Isaiah 9, 1, hundreds of years before Jesus came, it said, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. And some of you need to grasp onto that in your life and understand that the darkness and the despair that you are experiencing because of unforgiveness and these grudges that you're holding or these past things that you're carrying that are still directing your future, they will not go on forever and they cannot go on forever because of Jesus. Things can be different. And for some of you, it begins in just starting to believe that fact, that it can be different. Isn't that a good thing? That you can be free of this burden. That we serve a God of total transformation, but we first have to believe that that can apply to us personally. Sometimes it's easy to grasp these concepts that God can transform, that God can forgive, that he can do this. But then for some reason, it never really gets from out there in the universe and the, the spiritual universe of, of concepts down into our hearts. But listen, you gotta believe it for you. Yes, for your situation. Yes, for what happened to you. Yes, for what you did to somebody else. Yes, it can happen for you. You know, sometimes we go through things, and because of those things that we go through, we, we develop reflexes. Some people might call it trauma, right? Now, this is minor compared to what some of you have gone through, but it illustrates the point. When I was little, uh, five years old, we were going over to some friend's house, and we were walking from the car to the driveway, and, 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 and our friends, good friends, lifelong friends, uh, the, their dog met me there in the driveway, five years old, and, and his name was Snoopy. And so I patted Snoopy on the head, hey, Snoopy. And for whatever reason, Snoopy opened up his big hunting dog mouth and took my whole face into it. And I had um, uh, cuts, you know, up here, here, and here, had to get stitches on my face, 
How many of you want to know, as a five-year-old, for a while, I had a reflex, a massive flinching whenever I was around any kind of dog. And then when I was 11, I went across the street to my neighbor's house to play with the boy that lived there, to ask him to, to, to hang out and play. Knocked on the door, asked the, asked the mom if he was home, if he could play. And just as she was yelling for him, their dog came around the corner and latched onto my leg. No joke. Until there was blood everywhere. Sorry if, if you got a weak stomach. But I mean, it, it was bad. Rushing to the hospital, you know, it, it, it was horrible. Get all bandaged up. And, and so from those two experiences, I had a really hard time. Anytime I was around a new dog and they showed any kind of aggression, right? There's that massive flinch. But you know what? I got over it. I learned to, to interact with dogs again. And, and how many of you know, um, some of you know I like to go running. And so I'll go run. And, 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 and it, for years and years and years, whenever I'd be running down the road and, and a dog would come barking. And even though I know in my mind there's probably an electric fence, it, I, I would jump. Man, I can only imagine as people drive and, and there's, they're driving by and, and, and I'm running and a dog jump, you know, comes up and the, I jump. I, I guarantee you they're laughing their heads off at me in the car like, because of how scared I would get. But little by little over the years, you know, I, I, I came to, to get over that right? I came to be comfortable around dogs. And now usually when a dog comes charging at me, instead of flinching away, guess what I do now? I face it, right? I make myself big. I make myself a presence. And I make sure that dog knows that I mean business, right? Now, it took a long time to get from there to here, right? But I just want to share that short story to illustrate to you that there's hope, that it can change. Your trauma or your reflex that you developed could be due to something way more serious than getting bit by a dog, right? You could be carrying some massive hurt, but there's still hope. There's still hope, not just for kind of transformation, but for total healing and transformation. Past offenses should help you relate and empathize, but you still got to remember that complete healing is possible. There's hope from, and, 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 and there's healing from divorce, from being fired from your job, from being abused, from doing, you know, it could be something super serious. It could be something that just hurts, but there's hope. There's this principle in God's word called Justification. And when I was little, I, I learned this little saying that justification is the principle that, that when God forgives me, he forgives me just as if I had never sinned, right? But as I was studying for this message and, and thinking about this concept that God takes your life and he heals it to where, you know, in his eyes and, and according to him, it's as if it had never even happened. How cool is that? But then I read a theologian that said it like this. He said that we're not simply like Adam, beginning all over again. Like Adam in the garden, before they sinned, they had never sinned, and they had this great relationship with God, and, and things were good. We're not simply like Adam, beginning all over again. We are in Christ. In the sight of God, we're not only innocent, 
but we are as righteous as Christ is because righteous because we're we're righteous with his personal righteousness not ours that's amazing and in Philippians 3:9 it says I no longer count my own righteousness count on my own righteousness through obeying the law Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And so we, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, when we put our hope in him, he takes our life and the ways we've messed up, the ways we've been hurt, God, the ways that we've been wronged, and he throws that sin that we're dealing with as far as the east is from the west, and he gives us a righteousness to stand on that isn't even ours. We could have never matched up to it. We're standing on the righteousness of Christ. We are free. We are made new. We are completely a new creation in Christ. That's amazing. There's hope. And so if God can do that for you, if God can do that for you, if God forgave you, then he can help you forgive them. You might say, but Joe... Because of what they did, things will never be the same. And they might not be in the temporal. The relationship might not completely go back to what it once was. But things can be better for you and your life. Because nothing is better than the peace of God in your life. Nothing is better than having the Prince of Peace lead and guide you. And so the first step is believing that the darkness and despair won't go on forever. Step two, what do we do next? We recognize the destructive nature of bitterness. We recognize the destructive nature of bitterness. Listen, bitterness is like a burden that we carry, but it never gets lighter. It only grows heavier over time. Have you ever noticed that? It just keeps getting heavier and heavier and heavier. You know, years ago when our kids were still uh, smaller, uh, we, we had the, the, this Kelty backpack thing that the kids would get in. And that thing was rated up to like 40 pounds. And how many of you know when you got a 40-pound kid back there and you're hiking up a mountain, um, it doesn't get lighter over time. It gets heavier over time. And you're, I'm like, Jason, what are you eating back there? What is going on? You just, it's, it feels like you just keep getting heavier, Right? And that's what bitterness does in your heart. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, when you're bitter, when you don't forgive, when you just hold on to these things, it doesn't just hurt you. It's a bitter root that produces bitter fruit. And then other people in your life, because they're around you, they, they, they partake of that fruit because of what you say and because of how you interact. And all of a sudden, what was a root has now become a fruit and is defiling everybody around you. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. I don't know what could be more destructive than that. There's something that I, if I hold on to this one thing, that it's gonna completely sidetrack and derail my relationship with Jesus. It's a great reason to take this seriously. It has lasting effects on your life. 
holding on to unforgiveness will destroy your relationship with Christ. Number three, so we recognize the destructive nature of bitterness and then we gotta remove the burden of bitterness. Man, when we moved into our first house years ago back in Illinois, the first house we owned, first time homeowners, it was a foreclosure, so we got it for a steal. Man, I'm sorry if the recession hurt you, but we were like those young kids that came in right as everything tanked and we got a really good deal in the house, right? Um, It was epic for us. But this house had like, those, uh, man, I was talking to Ted about it one time, those honeysuckle trees all over the place. Oh my Lord, it was growing up through the deck. It was growing all over the place. I chopped so many of those trees out of the ground with an ax. It wasn't even funny. Days and days and days of, of chop. It is hard to get roots out. It's a ton of work. But we gotta remove this root of bitterness, remove this burden of bitterness from our life. How do we do that? We do what Jesus says. So Jesus shows up, he comes, he lives, he, he, he's born as a baby, sweet little baby Jesus. He grows up, grows in favor with God and man, and then and when he's about 30 years old, he starts to minister, and he starts to say things like this. In Matthew 5, 43 through 45, he says, you've heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. He turns everything upside down. And he basically says, hey, the key is to love people. Not just the people that are easy to love. If you do that, there's no credit. That's easy. No, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. How many of you know it's really, really hard to hate somebody you're praying for? Try it. I dare you. Spend significant time praying for that person in your life that you despise this week and just see how God changes your heart. You cannot help for your heart to be softened when you pray for them. Because as you pray for someone, your heart softens towards them. Why? Because as you pray, your heart aligns with God's. And God's heart is soft even towards them. Matthew 18, 21 through 22 says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Jesus wasn't saying an actual number. He was basically saying here, unlimited times. You should be a forgiving person. It's who you are. It's not just what you do. This is a mark of a Christ follower. And then Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ, just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. I love that. So how do we get the the root of bitterness out of our life? We're going to pray for people. We're going to forgive people. We're going to actively and and intentionally get rid of the bitterness, get rid of the anger, get rid of the age, the rage. We're going to cast it out of our life, and we are going to, on purpose, forgive those who ask for forgiveness. We're going to forgive those who don't ask for forgiveness. We're going to forgive ourselves. We're going to forgive everything in sight right? We're going to be a forgiving people. And then last but not least today, 
after we recognize the destructive nature of bitterness, we remove the root of bitterness of our life, and this is incredibly important. Don't forget this last step. Don't keep score. The enemy will tempt you to say to yourself things like, well, we'll see what happens this time. Well, I'll just keep my eyes on that person. Listen, there's a huge difference from setting up uh, some healthy boundaries in your life and keeping score. It's the intention of the heart, right? It's how you're carrying it. It's It's what the motives of your heart. And so don't keep score. This is, um, this is uh, something that I just, just, just being vulnerable with you as a pastor in ministry, this is something that I have to do on purpose all the time. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. Because people, including myself, are not perfect. And so just the title Christian, just the title pastor doesn't automatically make everything in life just perfect, right? And so me and a buddy used to always say to each other, hey, we're gonna have thick skin and a soft heart. We're gonna have thick skin, and so when, when pe- people maybe say things that are hurtful or things happen to us that are just kind of tough, hey, we're not gonna let it get in, but we're gonna keep a soft heart towards them. We're gonna keep a soft heart towards God's people. Why? Because they're God's people because he died for them, because God's never looked at somebody in the eyes that he didn't die for, and neither have you. I'm gonna have a free spirit. That means that I'm gonna freely give forgiveness away, even when I feel like it's not deserved. God is the one that gives and takes away. Vengeance, it belongs to him. As you, keep, as you refuse to keep scoring your life, you gotta remember, that sin is never God's fault, but God works in all things for my good. And so the bad things that happened to you, God didn't cause it, but he can work in it, he can redeem it. And so in the same way that God's not keeping score in your life, hey, he doesn't want you to keep score for others either. Jesus said in Luke 17, three through four, He said, so watch yourselves, watch yourselves. He didn't say watch those other people. He said, watch yourself. If another believer sins, rebuke them, that person. And then if there's repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, each time and turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. We're bound to it. And why did he say watch yourself? Because if you don't forgive, this bitter root is gonna grow up in your heart. Your response is what you control. God controls the justice. Proverbs 19.11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. Don't keep score. First Peter 4.8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that so good? Listen, I completely acknowledge that it takes a lot of faith and trust in Christ to have a forgiving spirit. This is not easy, but you can do it. Jesus left his throne on high to live in flesh 
to be betrayed, to be hated. He went to the cross. He carried the cross. He did all that to remove your burden. And so I want to say with all the love in my heart today, don't carry it any longer. If you're carrying just this this weight and this heavy burden of unforgiveness and bitterness in your life, it's time to let it go. Forgive. Some of you, it's less about what you do right here in service and it's more about what you do when you leave today. Some of you need to make a phone call. Some of you need to set up a meeting and freely give forgiveness. Freely give forgiveness. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes today. Some of you might say today that before you give forgiveness to others, your first step is to experience Christ's forgiveness in your life. And that's what Jesus said, you've been forgiven, so forgive. And so if you haven't just experienced this initial relationship with Christ, where just that that first time where you say, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. And you wanna experience this burden lightening forgiveness that only Jesus can give to you and me. And we're able to to ask him because of what he did on the cross for us. And so if that's you today and you say, Joe, I wanna start a relationship with Christ, I wanna ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins today. This is my first step. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you today. You say, Joe, I need forgiveness. I need Jesus to forgive me. I need Jesus to step into my life. If you're online with us today, watching online, you can raise your hand right in your living room. I wanna encourage you to, to just ask today for forgiveness. This is something that's counter countercultural these days. You know, it's not, it's not really um, a norm in our society right now for anybody to ever admit that they were wrong. But it's the first step when we come to Christ. We say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you. I confess my sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me and I wanna follow you forever. You can pray a prayer just like that at your seat, right where you're at, if you're home on the couch watching today. Hey, invite Jesus to be a part of your life. There's no special prayer or special fanfare that has to happen. You need to believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, that he rose again from the dead. And the Bible says you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven. And Jesus will take your sin, throw it as far as the east is from the west, and you'll be in right standing with God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Hey, if you're here today and you say, Joe, I, I got some I got some own work to do in my heart with bitterness, with unforgiveness. And you say, Joe, I don't want to carry this burden into the holidays. I don't want to carry it into my family, to my Christmas. Jesus came to relieve the burden. So I want to let it be relieved. And so if that's you, I'm going to pray a closing prayer. Just pray along with me today. And let's do this together. Jesus, help us to be as forgiving to others as you were to us. Help us, Lord, to have thick skins, but a soft heart. Help us, Jesus, to be forgiving people, 
to love our enemies, to pray for those that persecute us, to not keep score. Help us to recognize how great of a burden bitterness can be and to let you take it from us because that's what you came to do. Thank you, Jesus, for this promise in our life that we don't have to carry this junk any longer, but that we can experience true peace, that we can really rejoice because you came to relieve our burden. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.